You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back to Just Riding Along. Two quick things. One, go over to shopmbr.com. I've changed things up with the store uh, and added some options for the Just Riding Along shirt. There's 10 different colors of that logo shirt. So if you've seen it before, wanted to buy it, and it wasn't there in the tan, or you wanted a different color, go check that out, shopmbr.com. And just a reminder to continue to keep using the Amazon link. You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out more about that. And that's it. So enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. You suck an ass on the trail. Why you need to bail? You fed as a whale, brah. Why you need a new bike as well? We take you to market to sell, brah. Now you can afford the bike that you want, the job at the mall ain't pay you enough. Now she getting rough, you thinking that you need to sell all your stuff. When it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new head before you get a bike. Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side. Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better. Maybe then you make it better instead of looking like a lame ass. And if you get confused, you can ask. J-R-A, get hip to the night. Hello and welcome to the 34th episode of Just Riding Along in the year 2018. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Sipping on Some Scissor. Yep, that's an old 3-6 Mafia reference and that was drawn to the top. Um, I'll put a link to this with the show, but Project Pat's uh, Crook by the Brook album as a whole is really good. But the intro... If you're into that If you're into that kind of stuff. And the intro to that album is this like 53 second skit and it is so good and it is so memphis as a whole so it's basically it's like what mumble just, what mumble rap tried to be but doesn't isn't like this is just straight up just t- like terrible gangster rap from memphis from a place where there's actually poverty and things to inspire gangster rap there is a ghetto so with that there's two things I want to cover before we get going. And I've done this once, and this is just unsolicited. This is 100% unpaid. But for those of you that didn't hear when I said Overcast, the podcast player is way better. Um, I truly believe it. I still use Overcast. It's awesome. I'm not paid to say this, I promise. It's so, the Apple one was so frustrating to me, but I felt like Grandpa about to wire his savings to a Nigerian prince because, like, it was so unintuitive. And Overcast works really, really well. And I'm still super stoked with that. And I want to just give two other product endorsements. One is completely ridiculous, and the other is actually really cool. So one is a Blistex Deep Renewal Chapstick. It's the best chapstick <laughs> in the entire world. And if you have any idea, if Andrew's laugh gives it away, I love chapstick. And then the second one is... He's one of those people. I am. I am one of those people. Um... Like, you could just call me you people. Um, uh, Two other things, then. One is I got a new Bluetooth speaker this week. It is made by Anker, A-N-K-E-R. It's called the Soundcore 2, and I've only played with it a little bit, but it's super awesome. Um, I have some of their Bluetooth headphones. have one of their battery bricks. I have a couple of their USB cords and stuff, and I got one of their charger things this week a uh, little bluetooth speaker it's super loud it's super clear it pairs really easily and again no one's paying me to tell you this this is just like unsolicited this is shit we love um i really need a one ear bluetooth headset headphone something to listen to i haven't shopped at all i just was thinking about it on my ride today 
So before I delve into the internet and see if that's actually a thing, I mean, I guess if they're wireless, I can just wear one of them and leave the other one at home. No, what you should do is get the kind that I have that are two-ear, and then just zip-tie or Velcro one of them to your helmet. I'm trying to get away from having an extra wire. Like, I just want one thing hanging on one ear. Yeah, but what happens when you drop it? It's just fucking gone. Yeah, just don't drop it. Alrighty, well, cool. I'm about to make JRA history. You know how I always say I need a list? Oh, I should have written this list. down. I made a motherfucking list this week. Yeah. Did if, we have any donations? I don't. I haven't gotten that far. I and, have. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, uh, just in covering what I've been doing this week, I've been doing a pretty normal week. I rode my bike some and just rode on dirt and pavement. Didn't do any single track, really. The single track is shit show down here in Salida. As I record this on the 26th of November, uh, it's just just gross. It's like snowy in places, and that, that kind of riding pisses me off the most because you're like, oh, it's dry, and then you're like, oh, shade, there might be ice in the shade. Then you're like, it's dry. Oh, there might be ice in the shade. It's so, just different. It's you and Leah. You're so picky. We do have donations, so we can go bottom to the top, start at the bottom, going up. Um, I think Kenny just donated to the show, but we'll get going from there. Uh, we'll get to that one last. Mark Kligerman, he told me he's slight Klingon, uh, from Georgia, gave 25 with a note. Thanks for all you do. I am pledging this $25 to Matt, Andrea, and Kenny. Love what you do. Thanks, Mark. Uh, D from Texas, $5. D's nuts. To hey, go gay. along with all of the other funny names that have asked questions and donated money. Uh, heard the last episode with a listener from Mobity, pronounced Mo-B-T, Texas, y'all. Fun Texas fact, there's actually an old Mobity and a new Mobity. Thanks for the entertainment. Dixon. I don't know what he's trying to say. Dixon McGash Nimrod. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then Mr. Anon from a state <laughs> gave $50 with the note. Thanks for the rant on internet pricing in response to Tal or whatever his name is. I own a shop in Utah and want to fight people on forums all the time, which gets nowhere. Luckily, only made that mistake once, maybe twice, maybe 17 times. Um, I added that part. You guys said it perfectly. Thanks for what you guys do. Totally entertaining. I've been meaning to donate for a while. Please keep this anonymous. Someone from a state that has a shop in Utah. <laughs> I think Kenny just sent that in. Like Kenny just like... Gave himself money. <laughs> no, it actually was not me. But we did get another nice email from somebody, and I forget his name. Was it Michael? Or is it the same person that just donated? I'm not really sure. Um, that information was withheld on my side. Uh, that was Michael. Uh, sent in a really cool email explaining the differences between price control, price fixing, and like what Europe does and whatnot. And a uh, really cool, insightful article from someone that does this stuff for a living. So that's pretty neat. But yeah, I think that the moral of the story is, <clears throat> so I guess on, for you guys who haven't, uh, you know, don't know what we're talking about, just go back and, and listen to the last couple episodes. And we've talked about the whole Shimano pricing thing for a long time. And basically, the European market has been uncontrolled as far as controlling minimum advertised pricing. 
which is all fine and well, but unfortunately that can bleed over to us because European-based companies can ship to us. So that's that's where the whole problem comes in. So I always wondered why that was. I thought it was because people were just being lazy. Um, but I guess I didn't realize until Michael sent over that info that I suppose, and I have to do more research on it because I don't know the all the details. But basically, uh, because of antitrust laws being different in Europe than over here, they are not allowed to enforce minimum advertised pricing. So because of that, that's why Shimano can't really enforce it. So that means that somebody, I mean, I guess they can, and that's what they're going to do now. But there was basically this weird loophole where if you were a European-based company who shipped to the U.S., you didn't have to adhere by map, and then you could fly under the radar in the American market. So that's why. I just thought it was because, you know, powers that be at Shimano were being lazy. Uh, but that's probably, thankfully, that's not the case, it looks like. So anyway, it's all good. And everything that we said still stands 100%, which is there's a very big difference between free market and minimum advertised pricing. And also, uh, the other kind of neat thing about this, um, it's basically in Europe, I suppose they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to stop price fixing and all this antitrust type stuff. But what it ends up doing is you end up hurting some of the smaller players who are the ones that are supposed to be saved by this antitrust stuff to begin with. So that's what's really funny. It's kind of ironic. I'm sure there's some positives to it, right? I mean, there's got to be a case for it. But in our very small particular case, it does the complete opposite. And that's kind of funny. But that's it. Woot. So, interesting news. I am going to move the... Uh, I was just going to launch into the rest of the stuff that I've been doing, and then I'm going to go to questions, right? I mean, sure. You guys will talk about what you've been doing, but I'm going to get a boost. So, for those of you that aren't up to speed, I have like 17 hardtails and a huge smash bike right now. It's actually a cross bike a hardtail crave a hardtail vertex i'm going to get another hardtail and i have a bc90 right now and come springtime my employee demo bike will be a rocky mountain element b uh 70 which is a one c70 c70 yeah so it'll be pretty good um but what i needed was a pair of carbon wheels for that bike the vertex and the element can share carbon wheels so I'm going to take the control SLs from my, uh, what is that bike, Crockett, and I'm going to put those, I'm going to get some boost kit for them, and then just run those wheels on my two lightweight bikes. And these are actually the not sketchy controls. Um, as you've heard, a lot of control wheels that are like of the newest, well, the newest, but the before the quiet revision of the newest generation of control SLs. I have a fairly dated set. They just didn't have any miles on them when I bought them. They were takeoff wheels. And I'm going to put those on that bike and and really just kind of move the stuff from my Crockett over to some crappy road bike and make that into a, a proper trainer bike because that's all it's used for now. The Vertex has solidified that a Salida gravel bike is a hardtail 29er with 2.0 or 2.2 tires and a 100 mil fork. So 
I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I'll have light wheels, and where I'm going with that is I'm going to do fast tracks. And, and Kenny's recommendation, I'm going to either do fast tra- tracks or tread light. I haven't decided. So do you want to stick with like roughly two O's? Uh, you should get those Thunderbirds like I got. No, I want to start riding uh, either ground control or, sorry, fast tracks or like an Icon tread light mix and start trying to dial in some tires for Fruta. So are you talking gravel stuff here? Uh, well, I just want to put... Yeah, I thought you would ride the Element at Fruta. Correct, but I would move light wheels to the Element. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking about tires for the gra- for the the carbon wheels that they will be ridden on gravel some, but eventually I'll be racing them. So I'd like to get an idea of what works for riding, not just gravel riding. So Kenny, did you have a different recommendation? Well, if you were going to do gravel stuff, you should do uh, the S Works fast tracks. Like, don't even be scared. No. Well, I mean, that's They're like that's pretty so much light. that's what I'm pretty much running. I'm just running a Schwalbe branded S Works tire. Ooh. Yeah, it's if a you're four, doing full it's on a 420 gram 2.1 tire. I'm actually curious to see. I know they make it in a 2.3 because we have it in the shop. I don't know. I'm going to clickety clack over here for a second. Um, I don't know if they make it in a 2.1. I'm going to And it's 100 grams lighter than the uh, regular red box no which is way. crazy yeah all right i'm gonna look up and see how light a maxis tread light is uh let's see let's see Clickety let's see clack. that's actually a really the tread light no it's not i mean it is heavy but it's not heavy what is it exo tr tire is 630 grams everything exo or everything that exists that has any type of sidewall protection is over 600 grams that's totally fine I'm, i want to ride that tire for a long time <laughs> like in a row with no problems what are you finding kenny i am looking would you ever ride that tire mm, on a mountain bike mountain bike no probably not but <laughs> I mean, the, the regular one is kind of pushing it, I think, in a lot of cases. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, did Kenny just say that fast tracks are pushing it in many cases? Uh, no, just the, not the traction. Just the, I mean, I still would, I'd stand by the fact that the dynamics of how the tire feel, um, the traction level, that's all fine. But for sure, at some point, your tire is too light and it's going to, you're going to puncture it more than you need to. And the red box one is again it's it's borderline. I'd say it's about the same maybe not by a baby baby step, not quite as sturdy as like an EXO Maxis. I never had that great luck with the EXO Maxis stuff. I've punctured two or three of those Icon EXOs. Not that it's a you know, infallible tire, but yeah. I'd say my my luck has been about the same on the fast tracks as the Icons. Are you finding how much? Are you were you, were you trying to see if they made a fast track S works like two O? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking. Sorry, I'm pretty I'm sure they do. I think we've had slow. one in the bike shop. They must. Like, I mean, if you make an S works tire and you make a two three, why in the world would you not do a two one? I mean, don't get me wrong, two O's are dying, 
But at the same time, they're also going to come back to life because gravel people are realizing that cross-country bikes from 1999 are actually really good gravel bikes. Let's see. Don't tell anyone. I know, I know, I know. God, that would be an awesome tire setup. Uh, speaking of gravel bikes, that Rodeo Labs Trail Donkey, it does things to me. Well, unfortunately, modern websites have are beating me again. Apparently, I'm <laughs> an old man, and I can't, I can't operate this thing. Oh, there's another page. Okay, there's another page, but there's the smallest text on here. There's great, big, giant, pretty pictures, but if I need to actually navigate to find shit, it's the smallest thing in the world. <laughs> God damn it. Just let me look. <laughs> it just drives me fucking nuts. I love Kenny. All Rance. I want to do is I just want to see, show me a model. Why don't I want to be able to filter by a fucking model. I don't want to filter by, by urban. I don't give a shit about urban. Oh, I Kenny, just thought of something Kenny, that's going to revolutionize the internet. What's that? So what you do is when you open a website, there's a link you can, you know, it's like open mobile version. I want open version for person over the age of 30. Yeah, open a version that lets me filter and actually find things and not look at pretty fucking pictures. My favorite was when a rep, so I want, there's two things. One is going to piss you off a lot. Oh, I already forgot what that was. I just pulled an Andrea. <laughs> um, well, I once had someone standing in my bike shop looking at a computer screen with me and going, I build websites, and that website scares me. Um, so uh, the other one is, oh, I just totally ruined myself both times. I, I thought I forgot the first one. I remembered it. Now I can't remember the second one. Oh, Specialized, by the way, I'm on your Fast Track website right now. Uh, and you've got all kinds of versions of Fast Tracks, which is all well and good. You guys still have Armadillo on here. That's not a thing anymore. It doesn't exist. Why do you? Why are you still... So another, a customer actually pointed out to me, hey, I'm looking at the new 19 Stump Jumpers. And glittered in on all the 19 Stump Jumpers, there's a bunch of 18s. And it doesn't specify in any way, shape, or form, other than you being in the know, that it's an 18 model. <laughs> and it's a completely different bike. And it doesn't say like, oh, this is a pasture model or anything like that. It's like, hey, here's a current bike. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, hey... Sprinkle them in there if you want. Like, put them at the bottom and put, like, a little banner over the little pretty picture and say, like, last year's model, super smoking deal, or something along that line. Like, come on. Like, right now, I'm looking at a tire that is 10 years old <laughs> on their website. They still have them in the warehouse, I'm sure. Apparently, they have one or two left, so now they, they still... Anyway, that's just... That's really stupid. That needs to be... That needs to go away. Well, crap. QBP doesn't have tread lights in... EXO. Just trying to think of some other tires that would be ridiculous. I've looked at all the ridiculous tires. Uh, the Recon Race, maybe? That would be pretty ridiculous. I don't think it's that light, though. Um, the non-EXO version is. I'm always going to put EXO in the rear. You're uh, always going to have a 600-plus gram tire. Right. Okay, so here we go. It is 550 grams for a 2.1 S-Works 29. Oh. And 595 for the 2.3. Oh, that sounds like a... So, five. what was it? 595 and 525? 
550 and 595. Not much of a difference between a 2-1 and a 2-3. I mean, 45 grams of rotational weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds like a race tire if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, and if you're super racy, you'll only run one ounce of sealant per tire. Yeah, just split one of those little stands shot bottles between the two tires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, will you do me a favor and send me that link so it doesn't take me six years to build the show page to find that same page you're on? Yeah, yeah, it took me um, 10 minutes of full bore digging through the internet. I'm pretty fucking good at the internet. I've done the internet for a lot of my life. <laughs> I'm pretty good at the internet. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, so I'll say this. When we talk about intuitive websites, I think we have to hand it to someone in the industry, and that's QBP. Oh, yeah, they've always oh, had Oh, QBP's best. website is fucking fantastic they, because you actually use it to get work done, and they know what workflows are, and it fucking makes sense. I mean, I did this in a past life, and, it yeah, it just it bothers me when websites don't actually work. But I remember a long time ago, a rep, I was like, he was like, blah, blah, and I was like, yeah, I just have to, like, I was like, there, he was like, well, why don't you put in more of an order with us? And I was like, well, QBP. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, have you ever used their website? And he was like, well, just because you use it more, I'm like, okay, can I go to your website and choose? And this is like years ago. And I was like, can I choose 32 tooth tram direct mount uh, black chain rings? And he was like, well, I was like, don't tell me to go to chain rings wolf tooth and just scroll through 800 variations. I was like, I use Q because I can find it. I was like, now if Q's out of stock, I'll take the manufacturer's part number and paste it into your website and see if I can find it. And he was like, well, and I'm like, well, well, nothing like QVP has a website. Like they want me to spend money. I just wish that every website, I hope uh, I need to talk to Trump about this. (laughs) I think it should be required by anybody who has a website that is a business that you present the end user with two options, pretty pictures, or I want to get shit done. And there's two links and you pick which one you want. Oh, there you go. So get on that Trump. Oh, I can remember. I remember what pissed me off so much this week. I was on Trek's website. I wanted to look up a bicycle. You can do shot by category or shot by model, right? Mm -hmm. I choose shot by model. Oh, you know what they don't include in that? Kids' bikes. (laughs) So even though I'm holding a Trek Wahoo, I go to shop by model, and there's no Ws. But then when I go to shop by category, kids isn't in alphabetical order on the categories even, or utes or anything. It's just, oh, my God, it's so frustrating. The other tire I could run is like, does Bontrager still make that tire? And here we are. The We're XR1? Just, the XR0. Do you oh, remember that yeah. tire? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they still make it. They do. Oh, my God. That thing is so minimal. 29 by 2.1 XR0. It is pretty much like a ribbed condom for your rear rim. What's the uh, weight on that one? I didn't know an XR0 existed. That's pretty funny. Uh, it does exist. I don't know what they weigh. 435 grams? That's gonna, that's, Damn, that's gonna feel like a paper sidewall. I'm gonna order, Bontrager tires are so te- cheap, I'm just gonna order one f- and see how quickly it flats. I know, that's oh, what I, I have I, seen like, one of these, that's, that's those you, are scary. That's what you gotta do, you gotta like, just send it 
And I mean, just just be like, hey, guess what? I know how to change a flat tire. I'm good. Like I'm cool. God, if I could run one of the like, if the sidewall on that feels anything okay, I just I just gotta I have to hold one now. Like I must. <laughs> like you don't even understand. Come to the dark side of thin sidewalled, oh fast rolling God. tires. We're like 20 minutes into this show, and we've only talked about the last show and tires. I this love it. This has been a boring episode so far, if I must say so myself. Well, with that, um, we've covered all the donations and stuff, and it sounds like Andrea's ripping it. Oh, you know what? It says it's not tubeless rated. Oh. Where does it say that? It's a. It's the second question that somebody on the inter- interwebs asked Bontrager. Is this tubeless ready? Verified reply, Luke at Trek. Unfortunately, this tire is not a tubeless ready design. Oh. Luke just burst your fucking bubble. Damn. Well, I can get an XR1. Let me make sure. It does say TLR in its name. And I can get an XR1 that weighs 545 grams. That'd be all right. Try that. That's get, like That looks like a fast track. So get two of those. I'd be at, what, 1,100? And then those wheels are sub-14. My wheel set wouldn't even weigh 2,500 grams with tires on it. That's awesome. So... uh. Before we go further, is there anything else? How deep into this are we? We're only like 20 minutes in. It's not that bad. Okay. Um, that's my plan with bikes, and then that's my plan with what's going on. For those of you that are not in the loop and didn't listen, I'm doing 18 hours of Fruta, and I'm I'm still in that lull, and I'm going to get going here pretty quick to get going for that, which that didn't make any sense. But I've been trying to get back on the bike and start riding. And I've been riding, and I'm getting pretty good at riding my bike again as far as, like, I can pedal and not feel like my legs are going to fall off. Um, When I haven't been riding much, and I hope that this sticks in people's brains because I want to ride around in your brain more often than I do already. (laughs) So I want you to think about me at least, like, once a month instead of, like, once a year. Um, If I haven't been riding and I try to go for – or, like, any time that I've been riding really hard – and my legs are really sore, I often feel like someone ripped my legs off, swung my legs around, beating them against one another, and then plugged them back on, but, like, plugged the right leg on the left side and the <laughs> left leg on the right side because, like, they're there, and they know what to do. They're just really sore. They're not very good at doing it. I'm just like, ah, ooh, ah, ah, ooh, ah. So, I don't know. <laughs> If you didn't think Can I was... Can we make that into a sound bite? No, please don't do that again. <laughs> and what you don't know is like the... There, the, there are hand gestures that go There's hand gestures and like a head movement that goes with that. Like, uh, So yeah, I've gotten through that part and I've been riding my bike some and it's pretty good. So I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm back on the bike and I think that's it. I think that's all that I have to cover, except for one scathing piece of news that came out. Oh, it was going to be the first one I was talking about. All right, well, Andrea can cover it. I'm done. So here I am for, like, basically since, I don't know, like the blog talk radio days, I haven't written anything down ahead of an episode to be like, what do I want to talk about? I'm always like, I don't know. I just forgot everything. I should write it down. And I actually wrote it down this time. Girl never forgets that box wine, though, a.k.a. Goonbags. Thanks to our Australian listener for sending that over. Our Australian listener let us know that a bag of wine is called a goonbag. So there you go. And there's a sculpture of one on a beach in Australia, which is amazing. It was a temporary installation, though. Oh, okay. 
I was gonna say I need to make a pilgrimage to that. I'm gonna like like take a a, a punch and a hammer and like punch a hole in it and see if there's wine in there. I think you're just gonna get arrested in Australia. And if you didn't know <laughs> Is that worse than getting arrested here? Every jail cell in Australia comes with a box jellyfish and one of those snakes that can kill you and a spider that can kill you. I was going to say it comes with a drunk kangaroo that's really pissed <laughs> off that you said something about its mother. <laughs> and you must watch videos from the 1993 uh, mouse plague. Oh, on that repeat. was terrible. So quick tidbit of information. Australia has a big mouse problem. And in 1993, the mouse plague nearly overran the uh, farming and agriculture industry. And they suffered something ridiculous, like a hundred million dollars in losses in nineteen ninety three dollars. But Matt facts, crazy shit that I know because I listened to yeah. Matt showed me the, the video. Time. It's basically if you can imagine like taking, you know, like a I'll card, the video a too. giant cardboard box full of packing peanuts and dumping it out. That's what the mice were like. Like they'd move something and it, they would just dump out of it like packing peanuts. It was crazy. But anyway, so. I have like a random selection of things to talk about, but I wrote them all down, so I'm prepared. Um, first and foremost, Jared Graves and Richie Rude tested positive for banned substances. Uh, I just I saw the article today. I thought that was crazy. Um, it was from a race in France back in May, and it was two different substances: one uh, a stimulant, and the other one uh, sounds like a bronchodilator. It says. It lets the lungs take in more oxygen, which would, and is used in asthma treatment. And the big thing, and just just don't race bikes anymore. Everybody, <laughs> everybody cheats. Everyone's doping. They got fucking motors in their bikes and shit. It's terrible. Yeah. You should just ride for fun. Exactly. The big thing about the stimulant is it reduces your reaction time, which in enduro racing would be pretty fucking tits. Oh yeah, definitely. Because um, I don't know if you've ever like tried walking home from the bar drunk. But when your reaction time is slower, things get real weird real fast. So I'm assuming that making your reaction time faster is only amazing when you're picking through a rock garden at 47 kilometers an hour. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's like eight miles an hour. That's not that fast. Uh, that's pretty close to 30. <laughs> I'm just making fun of... Kilometers. Yeah. I actually like the metric systems. That's not fair to do. You know what's really cool about the metric system? <laughs> everything compared to our system. Thank you, Kenny. I was going to, I was going <laughs> to, whatever you said, I was going to back it up with everything. And you just said everything. So amazing. Yeah. yeah we get fractions. Um, it does say that Graves and Rude have accepted the findings from their A sample testing, which I guess sounds kind of like an admission of guilt. Like, yeah, you got us. Got them. Um, so there's that. Hey, um, while we're on the, talking about graves and richie rude that sb150 fucking rips though god yeah. damn that bike is fast <laughs> <laughs> i haven't ridden one yet dude like i mean i think you trust me like motherfucker rips yeah i would i want to try one i i haven't i'd love to ride a 130 yeah i want to try the 130 and the 150 but i'm just so happy with the the mayhem as a trail bike that i don't really have like a lot of motivation to try anything else but anyway Back to the list. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I have been riding my Wahoo trainer. I've got the newest version of the kicker um, to go with the... I talked about the Element computer last week, and again, it's been great. Um, 
it will like I have it synced to my phone and it will show me text messages which I'm going to t- turn off because that's really annoying when I start seeing text messages when I'm out in the woods and I'm trying to like not see text messages. So, um I'm going to turn that feature off. Some people like that. But anyway, the trainer uh is really really good. It shows you power. It syncs up with basically every training app you could possibly use. I have one complaint about it. And this is only because it's a really nice piece of equipment and it's expensive. It's a nice expensive piece of equipment and it has this one thing that bugs the shit out of me. And it's the through axle adapter on the non-drive side. It You flip it back and forth between 142 or 148. And it just sticks in the end of the trainer. And you use your own through axle to hold your bike in. Right. So the for those of you that didn't understand what Andrea just said, imagine the trainer is like a hub. Yeah, exactly. And it has an end cap. And if you want 148, the end cap goes, let's say, end one out. And if you want 142, you rip the end cap out, you spin it 180, put in two out, in one back in, and now it's it's you know 142 or 148. And what Matt said, there was one thing that was wrong. Rip. You don't rip it out. It can just kind of fall out. Not right. when your bike's on it. Like once your bike is snapped on there, it holds everything together. You put your through axle to, and it's tight and it's great. It doesn't move. It's solid. But when you're going to put your bike on, even me, like I mean, I've installed like probably a million rear wheels onto bicycles i don't know like how like when do you say i've probably installed a million rear wheels onto bicycles you start talking about that and i just want to say one other thing on this that should make it easier is because you've removed your rear wheel there's no rotor so it really is as simple as dropping the frame onto the trainer like There's you're not no even trying to, line, to r- line up a rotor with a brake or anything you're literally just dropping the dropouts of the frame onto this and i'd say three times out of five i have knocked that little non-drive side end cap out in trying to do that and had to like take the bike back off and you know find it like rolls rolls around on the floor and goes under like the fucking freezer or something like it's a pain in the ass. It's dumb and it's simple, but it doesn't have enough friction. It doesn't have an O-ring. It doesn't have anything. Like it could, they could make it like a really strong magnet. Magnets. I don't like, there just needs to be something that holds that end cap in. And it's just because it's such a nice, like if this thing cost a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, I wouldn't even mention it. I'd be like, this is awesome for $200. But this is an expensive piece of technology with this one little part that sucks a lot. It's just a pain in the ass. So that's that's my only complaint about the Wahoo Kicker. And I hope someone from Wahoo is listening and you take this as constructive criticism that you have a very nice piece of equipment. Um, but tell your engineers to do a little brainstorming, smoke some weed, whatever they want to do, and come up with a creative way to keep that thing a little bit more secure in there so that when you put your bike on, it doesn't just fall out on the floor. It's like a goat. It just falls out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it falls out like a goat turd. So I think another thing that I could say in I'm, – I'm going to play devil's advocate here for Wahoo. Um, one, they probably didn't care. 
Number two, they probably didn't intend for people to be doing what you're doing. And this is a very serious cop-out, but hear me out. The unit was already very expensive. They would have had to have added, let's say, five more dollars to it to increase that functionality. And that's something that can easily be called like a user issue, not like a real functionality issue. But the thing with it could be they probably expect someone to say, oh, it is crappy outside, so my tri bike or my A road bike is going to go on the trainer, and I'm going to ride my shitty fender bike or whatever outside only moving forward, and then this other bike is going to sit on the trainer from now on indefinitely. So they probably didn't anticipate that person to be removing the bike from the trainer once or twice a week like you're doing. It's a cop-out, but I'm just saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. They probably don't intend for you to put it on, take it on and off the trainer a couple times a week like I've been doing. But, you know, still, like I said, like, it's not like I suck at putting rear wheels on. I have probably, I, I see Matt over there calculating. I think he's going to try and, and, like, calculate how many times I've removed and reinstalled a rear wheel. If you just, let's do a low number here. If you've put in 10 wheels a day okay. for six years that's only 15,600 wheels so still pretty shy of that million but <laughs> a lot more than like 12 yeah so i i am very well versed in installing a wheel onto a hub and for those of you i can't resist it i want a rap kick i yeah the kanye thing i was thinking about that when you were saying it uh, what is it? I did five beats a day three, for three was, summers. No, no, I did five beats a day for three summers. I deserve to do these numbers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. What else is on your list? So, so I was looking up information about the steamboat gravel race, and on the way there, um, I found the steamboat ramble, which is a bike packing trip that leaves Fort Collins, and it's in July. It leaves Fort Collins and goes to Steamboat Springs in three days and two nights. And I was really like, I read the description. It's fully supported. You get all of your meals and food and drinks and beer and all that stuff. It's only $400. It's not bad. And if you think about two nights and it looks like you have to carry like your camping stuff, but that's really it. Like they give you food on the route. It's fully supported. Like it's, it sounds like a really cool ride. So if you're like not into the competitive thing and you want to like try out a couple nights bikepacking, um, this sounds really neat. Like I would be way into that if I wasn't like spending my $400 on bike racing instead of, um, doing stuff like that. So I would say if you're interested in things like that, you should check it out. It is the steamboat ramble, but just make sure you do not take your, Bon treasure, paper mache tires. <laughs> I don't think she listens. So I'll try to dig that up too. There's a clip of one of our friends talking about the bon treasure, paper mache tires. Because <laughs> this friend of hers or person she met on the Tour Divide route had like 87 flats or something. On the Bon Traeger XR1s. Yeah, but he was running tubes. And it was a long time ago too. They've changed since then. Back then, hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot all on me i don't really what else is on your list well i was going to talk about the steamboat gravel race and of course i suddenly can't find the link to the website um well 
It's like, I think they spell it gravel with no vowels, so it's like Steamboat G-R-V, like L. Oh, nope. I just found where to buy there, actual gravel. There it is. Yeah, that's what I found when I looked up Steamboat Gravel. I found it, though. It is sbtgrvl.com. Hold on, wait. Stbgrvl.com. Yeah. I got to make notes about this stuff, guys. Um, so this is a brand new gravel race happening in 2019 in August. And and for, I just want to start off by saying I don't think that any of this is bad. I think this is good for the sport and competition of racing bicycles. There are going to be a lot of people that this race pisses off. First place, um, and I will say this is uh, for the pro field, and this is for the longest iteration of the race. They have a long, a medium, and a short version of it. Um, equal payouts, five deep. First place is five thousand dollars. Second, twenty five hundred. Third, two thousand. Fourth, one thousand. Fifth is five hundred. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. My prediction is. They're going to be pro road racers, like at the at least continent, like road and I'd say probably like I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Aaron Huck show up like world class mountain bike racer. This is going to bring out like professional, real professional athletes that maybe haven't necessarily been attracted to gravel racing in the past. Um, there was some like hubbub earlier in the year about... Um, how I think it was was it the American Classic team, one of the teams that went to some gravel races. Like they started using basically road tactics with pace lines and attacks and stuff like that, and people were mad about it. And they're like, "Oh, this isn't in the spirit of gravel racing." I think that this steamboat gravel race is going to blow the quote unquote spirit of gravel racing out of the fucking water, like. People are going to show up. They're going to race it like a road race. They're going to be there on tires that don't look anything like your two-inch wide drop bar mountain bike tires. Like They're going to be on lightweight shit with road wheels. That's, how it's, that's just how it's going to be. And I think that that kind of event, I hope that kind of event gets more popular. And I, I'm not saying every gravel event needs to give out this type of prize purse. But I hope that... This brings about a really, really competitive, really um, challenging nature to gravel events in the future. Um, I like it. I think it's good. You know, I think they're always going to be the kind of like, I don't want to say underground. That's such a cliche word. But, but like, let's use uh, that race that Andy puts on. The Pedal 50 is a race that is... It's not underground. I know you're trying to avoid that word, but yeah. it's very it's a very low key social Grassroots, event. It's social, a, yeah. It, the people that want to race race, and the people that want to have a good day riding gravel together also do. And I I just hope this because I mean it's like I don't know I I just hope that it sets a new precedent for gravel racing. Like I I'm all for it. Like I'm all for people. You know, like the person that's been winning. You know, like the local type stuff and you know i hope they go to this and they get their ass kicked and i don't mean that in a mean way i mean that in a way that i hope it makes them want to be better and that's really what i'm like 
what I'm happy about when I see this. Um, I can't wait to see what happens, honestly. Like, I'm not going to go because I'm just not really focusing on that type of racing. Because she ain't trying to get her ass kicked. And I'm also not trying to get my ass kicked. Um, you know, maybe next year when I haven't taken a full summer off. But, you know, I think that it's, um, I think it's a good thing for sure. Like, I'm, I'm really stoked to watch it. Um, I'm going to be cheering for, for uh, Karen. Ergon Karen. Jar- Jarko. Jarko? Jar- Jarchow. Yeah. <laughs> KJ. KJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm cheering. She's my, uh, she's the horse I'm betting on. But, you know, you never know. You might have, like, I don't even know what women are re- winning road races right now. Like that. And like I said, you know, like the Aaron Huck, like the Olympic athletes and World World Cup athletes. Well, I mean, what's to say that we don't have someone like Katie Compton show up yeah. or someone like... I don't know how Katie does in 140-mile races. But still, like if anyone group rolls out the front and pull, Katie would be like, no, pull. <laughs> Or no. you have, like, a dream team where you have, like, I don't know, like, the Boulder dream team. Well, no, Katie Compton doesn't. The front range dream, dream team, you get, like, Katie Compton, Aaron Huck, like, maybe a triathlete or two from Boulder. Like, you know, one of the, like, world champion triathletes that lives there. Like, you put together a team like that that can just, like, pace line and get places one through five and then split all the money. Like, that could happen. And it's going to make people mad because it's not the type of gravel racing they like. But that's all right. I mean, it's competitive. Like, competition is good. Not competition is also good. But, like, competition just, it makes people better. It makes people push themselves. So I'm really, really glad to see this event happening. And I'm really excited to see how it unfolds, like the race itself. And just out of... Morbid curiosity. I'm a little excited to see people complain about it. Because that will definitely happen. That's everything on my list. What's up with Kenny? What'd it do? Um, Yeah, just usual stuff. Went down south yesterday. Just did a day trip. It's pretty awesome down there. Had a good time. (laughs) That's about it. Everyone (laughs) should ride down there. It's so good. Where, like, uh, which part of Utah... Uh, I rode St. George. Okay. We rode um, in St. George and then rode over to Santa Clara. So it's all like three or four mesas that are kind of connected, and we rode between them. We did a bunch of bushwhacking and just like tried to ride through a couple of canyons that you're not really supposed to ride through. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. And there's just so much stuff out there. If you just want to play around a little bit, and it's kind of fun if you're on a bigger bike. I hiked my way up and did some mini rampage stuff which is really fun. So I'm just starting to do, you know, bigger drops and, um, on your fast tracks, you know, all my fast tracks. Yeah. And <laughs> steeper stuff. Hashtag and last hashtag fast tracks to flat. Cause that could be anything. You could be dropping to flat. You could be dropping to flats. Like who knows? <laughs> just rolling the dice. Here we go. Yeah, for sure. No, they're great for loose over. Fast tracks are fantastic. Um, I heard a bunch I of mean, the guys, guys at rampage ran them. <laughs> yeah, they did. They ran the the uh, the S works casing so they could control the bikes in the air a little bit better. <laughs> That's a joke for people who actually think I'm serious. My favorite part would be when they landed 
and the carcass of the tire, the casing of the tire just exploded. In all seriousness, don't make fun of the little the baby tread tires because go look at um and because it, it shows you what you actually need depending on what terrain you ride. Go look at what they ride in Joyride. They're on like Icons and XR1s and shit. Just go look at the bike sometime. Just look at it. Yeah, yeah. use your eyes. You don't run you DHFs. Can get, you can on the get mad. Line. But they No, you don't run fucking DHFs on those don't things. Don't they make um like a gravity casing in the XR or not X, but it's like a GR1 or something. They make double down. They, pro- icons. they probably do. Yeah, it's like a Minion SS. Like if you look at a Minion SS, you're like, "Wow, that tire must be light." And yeah, it's light compared to like a Minion DHF, but it's not a light <laughs> tire. It's a heavy casing tire. It just has a fast rolling tread on it. Yeah, like an Icon double down. I was on that site earlier is sub thousand grams which you're like oh for an icon but then you're like wait sub thousand for a double down that'd be an awesome dirt jumping tire yep sorry continue kenny so you went to st george you poached some canyons canyons and poaches yeah that that's about it it's just good riding out there a lot of fun and my advice is go with some people who are willing to maybe go off the beaten path a little bit because all the mainstream stuff is a lot of fun but there's so much good stuff out there that it's kind of neat because out there, you know, I, I, the more I live here, I really understand. I never got, I never got it before. I just didn't understand. I'm like, why do people want to go to this random place in Utah and like go huck off a of cliffs and stuff? Like there's gotta be other places where you could do that. Why come here to do that? It's not that I think Joe going off a of cliffs is stupid. It's like, why, you know, why Southern Utah? It just didn't make any sense. But when you come out here, it's really cool you really can make a lion out of something that no one has ever ridden. And it actually kind of works, which is really cool. You can't do that in Memphis. You just go falling down into like a giant, <laughs> uh, a giant chasm of kudzu. Like you can't just go ride off the beaten trail because unless you make a trail, there is no trail. And also, but like, here, if- here you can, there's like giant rocks. They're huge rock formations. If you can hike up onto, no one's probably ever ridden on them and you can just go ride around and have tons of fun. It's super cool. God, I need to come ride with you guys. Um, that's it for me, though. I washed my bike for the first time in... I've washed my bike twice now, I think, since I bought it. Did I tell you I bought a pressure washer? Ooh, that's scary. Why? <laughs> Is it an electric one? Yeah. Is it powered by lipos? No, it plugs into the wall. Oh, okay. It's pretty sick, though. It's really easy. Like, and it's not very strong. Yeah. Like, it won't even clean the car that well. But, like, for dirty bike, it's perfect. Like, oh, I ran through a bunch of horse shit today, and I want to clean my tires and, like, my rear triangle out before I take my bike back inside. It's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've been thinking about getting a little electric one just because they're quick and easy. Just don't. For cars and that kind of stuff. Don't go WD-40 on it. And if you were at Masters Worlds the second year they were in Kentucky, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cyclocross. Masters Worlds. They left the power washers out overnight and they froze solid. And cracked and broke. And then there were races with no no power washer in dirt, in like mud that was basically, you could turn a 20 pound bike into like a 35 pound bike in a lap. What does that have to do with WD 40? Uh, it was the WD 40, like their neutral support. 
was the one that provided the power washers, and then they... Oh, so WD-40 lost like 20 pressure washers? Pretty, well, it was like six, but yeah. Yeah. So, there's that. Um, mine's pretty good. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll... Like, the one that I bought, it just had good reviews. It wasn't very expensive. It doesn't leak, like, out of the casing or anything, like... The connections leak a tiny bit, but it was also like $68, you know, and it's it's totally awesome for what I paid for it and what I expect of it. It's awesome. Uh, let's do questions, and then we can do the favorite thing of shut. Oh, my God. We've been 50 minutes already. <sighs> Kenny, this one's directly to you. Dear Kenny, can you please expand upon your statement that BK Nuggets are terrible? Unless your objective is to declare a war on nuggets, I and countless other BK Nugget aficionados would appreciate if you would address this blasphemous declaration. Are you aware of the current market value of nuggets is $0.10 a nug? Compare that to McDonald's, who value their nuggets at $0.45 a nug, and it is clear that BK is supporting the blue-collar America providing a competitive but also value-oriented product. When it comes to the official currency of JRA and God willing the world, your opinion is rather meaningless. Thank you, and perhaps you could suggest an ideal wine pairing for other McNugget snobs to enjoy while sinking their elitist teeth into their overpriced, <laughs> oddly shaped balls of deep fried pink slime. <laughs> First and foremost, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, you so made us laugh. <laughs> my experience, I just don't go into Burger King very often because, in general, I think that place has gotten really, really bad. But this was maybe, I don't know, five, ten years ago. I really haven't set foot in a Burger King in a really long time. I was going there in the era when they were trying all the funky-shaped chicken nuggets. Like, I'm all about, like again, cram- I'm all about cramming some chicken parts into shapes and then deep-frying them. But, damn, I have a limit. And they were pushing that limit. They made them into, like, french fry-looking things, and they scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Chicken and I also like went chicken in, sticks or something. No, they were BK chicken lat- fries. Oh, okay. Oh my god, they had fries and they also had ones that were in the shapes of like little characters and stuff. It was really disturbing. <laughs> I yeah, that's not cool at all. <laughs> and I mean, like at least give me a chance to think that maybe this shape possibly came from an animal. But <laughs> last time I went into Burger King, I got some kind of oh my god, it was like deep fried mac and cheese. And they were shaped like, uh, like giant Cheetos, I think. <laughs> and they looked pretty awesome, actually. And they were terrible. They were absolutely disgusting. Like if you deep fry something and it's not good, you fucked up real bad. <laughs> yeah, they fucked up hard. It was it was horrendous. So I'm kind of turned off to Burger King. So I apologize. I will try. I need to go back and try some unadulterated regular uh, Burger King nugget. I'm actually going to Google what a Burger King nugget looks like these days because I can't keep up. <laughs> you know, obviously we have the, I would say, for <laughs> mass-produced that is accessible by all the people out there that is, like, natural. I would say Chick-fil-A's probably got the crown for that one. Yeah, but atheism, they, like, aren't open enough days and, like, people... Yeah, yeah but they I mean... Turn, they, they turn Christians into atheists. They're already out because you only want Chick-fil-A on Sunday and you can't have it, and that makes me mad. Um, McDonald's is, yeah, I mean, they're the gold standard. 
whether we want to admit it or not. They, they. I always liked um, Wendy's chicken nuggets better. Yeah, I was under the assumption that the McDonald's chicken nugget was the base that the chicken nugget ticker was based on, but I might be wrong on that. Well, yeah, because I think originally we said McNuggets, which are only from McDonald's. Yes, yes. This everything. Whenever we talk about nuggets, it is needs to be understood that we're talking about McDonald's nuggets. So I'm looking at a. I'm now looking at images. I don't know. They look pretty. They look pretty tasty on the website. They did a good job with that. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to give them a try. They look different than what they were before. I want to see if they still have all these wacky shapes. They must have gone away with no, that. No, I so. was looking it up. Chicken fries are gone. Okay, thank you. They were trying to, like, <laughs> the thing that I was, like, skimmed real quickly is chicken fries were aimed at adults, like, to try to make it not, like, chicken nuggets seem like a kid's meal thing, and, like, chicken fries are going to be, like, well, an yeah, adult thing. Do you, can I don't you, know. like, put them in your cup holder also? Yeah, they they had, like, for fat people, you could get, like, four different cups. One cup was your coca-cola with a million pounds of sugar in it and the other cup were your fries and the other identical cup were chicken fries and then so there you was have a- your your three route 44 uh cup holders in your f-150 will fit all of your things and then you just loaded up the ashtray with ketchup and went on with your life <laughs> yeah yeah or, you got or it. ranch i'm only laughing because i've done this <laughs> <laughs> They have cheese tots, though. I do want to try the cheese tots. Those, um, those definitely occur in nature. Where do you work tomorrow, for sure? Kenny? So I, want I just to try found those. Burger King chicken fries. Which shop do you work <laughs> at tomorrow, Kenny? <laughs> I work at the uh, Draper location. So if anyone wants to take Kenny, well, I mean, this show is nope. going to come out later. Nope. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind here. Oh gosh, you guys keep talking. Is somebody gonna like mail me some Burger King nuggets? Because that's kind of dude. Gross. There's a Burger I hope King. That, uh, so I really want. I mean, it's harder for people. There's a Burger King 2.6 miles away from your shop. Like it's definitely harder for people to visit Matt and myself because we're out of the way. Even though we're in a place where people go to go touristing, um, Kenny is more accessible. So if you're going to bring him, like if you want to bring one of us. Chicken fries or McNuggets or whatever fried fast food item you want. Um, Kenny is probably the one to go to. Okay, I will make this listener a deal. I will go to Burger King in the coming weeks, and I will try. I will try their nuggets, and I will let but you know. Can do- you compare chicken fries to chicken nuggets at Burger King? Just I can because I've had the chicken fries, and they had some lumps in them, and they were... Disturbing. Were they like lovely lady lumps? <laughs> they were just nasty. It was like mostly breading, but then breading with mystery chunks. Ooh. Imagine this back says in the day made when with McDonald's nuggets. Because McDonald's nuggets like 20 years ago had the mystery chunks in them, and they were terrifying. Now, the Burger King was, website yeah. says that this is made with white meat chicken. That's good. I think everybody has to make decent nuggets these days because there's, there's a lot of chicken nugget transparency. <laughs> You can't you can't do the pink goo McDonald's thing anymore where they had sketchy shit in there. I mean, there's still sketchy shit in there. No, no, it's all fine. <laughs> all right, should we uh should we move past uh, any other listener questions? I don't, Matt's texting right now. You have to wait. Um <laughs> let's see. What what's what's he texting? Is it like a 
Is it like a you up thing? No, it was a text from a listener friend in Denver, Nikki, and I just... Hey, Nikki, you up? I don't know. She texted me. Don't get at me like that. <laughs> so he had a real cr- question. Um, uh, said, Dear Crew, love last week's show. Thanks, Andrew, for recounting your elk hunt, and congratulations. Your experience is a reminder that any given day in the woods, etc., has the potential to be a good story. Thank you. Over the years on bike and foot in the outdoors, I've been fortunate enough to have many story-worthy experiences, super sketchy encounters with people, life-threatening incidents, animal encounters, and downright creepy animal noises in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, to name a few. Just wondering what stories y'all have. If you had to narrow it down, one noteworthy experience. Thanks, JRA, or and he says hashtag JRA best MTB podcast. So I'm gonna give my like kind of wildest mountain bike story real quick, which is uh, it's probably let's see, Ava. I don't know if Ava was born. Ava's my niece. I don't know if Ava was born yet. She's probably born, but stayed with my mom and dad but my sister took my nephew and so it was jessica gavin and myself went to watch the monster trucks in memphis like total redneckery i was just like dude the cars movie is like gavin's jam he loves cars he loves like playing with cars and trains and shit and like the monster trucks are coming like you better believe like, bad uncle. Un- uncle Matt's taking you to see the monster you trucks. you damn right. You guys meet me down here. I got you tickets. I'm going to buy me some beer. I'm going to get you some junk food. Like, I'll show up with headphones and put on your little, like, precious ears. Like, I got you like covered. Like, you got him, like, the earmuffs? Oh, yeah. I, I had him covered. So, uh, that morning, it had been, like, raining a bunch. But, like, monster trucks was indoors. Because, duh, redneck shit, right? Like, who cares? <laughs> but we couldn't go ride the trails. And Andrea and I went, and we rode all through the river bottoms on the four-wheeler trails. And then the four-wheeler trails had, like, this little, like, segment where you went through a neighborhood. And if you went through the neighborhood slowly, no one cared. But, like, if you went through the neighborhood, like, super fast on your four-wheelers and side-by-sides raising hell, they would like call the... slinging dirt into people's yards yeah, and cars and stuff. Or just, like, the kids are outside playing and you, like, rip through the neighborhood at 50 miles an hour on your four-wheeler. Like, they would call the cops. Well, the cops shut down the entrance. Like, we had gone, like, straight out along the river and we needed to go straight back and we needed to be going back and we were actually like not out of time but it was like it was time to go home now and there was cops and like we said something the cop was just like i don't care you're not going this way like figure it out not my problem and even though the cops were pissed off at the people on four-wheelers they weren't gonna let us on bicycles go through and I remember, like, it was wild because, like, there was people on four-wheelers kind of, like, everywhere. And, like, we were cruising around trying to figure out how to get back the way we needed to go. Well, I, I saw on Google Earth, like, I figured out the route back, like, to bypass the cop, basically. But, like, we were, like, telling people there was cops. And then, like, we ran to some people that know Ablé and Glace. And, like, we were like, Policia, Policia. And, like... Like, pointed one direction and was like, go, go, and, like, pointed the other direction and, like, tried to help our amigos not find the policia because they definitely wouldn't have wanted to because white cops in Memphis would love to find some not English-speaking people. Well, and basically everybody there with motorized vehicles were there drinking and using their motorized vehicles as well. So they were just doing illegal shit all around. 
black, well, I mean, like I've... black, white, and brown people. Like everyone's just like drinking and tearing shit up, and here come the cops. So we're trying. In their defense, I don't think I've ever ridden. I mean, since I was like eight, I don't think I've ever ridden a four wheeler sober. So exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that's bad, but that's like we were trying to get back so Uncle Matt could do monster trucks, and we were also like we got a like trying to tell people, you know. Watch out, there's cops here. You should go a different way. Because, <laughs> you know, we ain't snitches. We're snitching on the cops. Like you do in Memphis. Yeah, we were like, no, no, there's cops. Go that way, go that way. So, like, I had spent, like, the day on the bike and then, like, went and got earmuffs and, like, went and took my nephew to, like, watch monster trucks. And there was, like, fire and monster trucks and, like, anatomic car crushers inside and all this shit or animatronic whatever you'd call it like big robotic like tracked machines that were like really track hose on steroids that could shoot fire and like crush up old cadillacs like holy shit what a day so uh yeah that's my story uh do do, y'all want to give your crazy story or do you want to just do another i got i got a couple yeah kenny i got two i don't even know we're to start with <laughs> I mean, I've got a shitload of them, but two come to mind. One was just funny slash scary. This was a long time ago, probably 2000 and 2007, 2008, somewhere in that ballpark. I had like just gotten back into mountain biking and I was riding with uh, like my old crew that I used to ride with and we were doing night rides uh, at Wolf River. So down kind of the river bottoms basically. And it is, I don't know why, it was like a Wednesday, and everybody decided for whatever reason with work or whatever that we wanted to ride, but we had to meet up super late. Um, so we we didn't even start riding till like 11, oh. and we rode from like 11 to 1 or something like That's that. That's so crazy. Anyway, so we're in the middle of nowhere, and you know, we got four people with us. Where, and which trail were you riding? I think this was on like Blue or something. Okay, so Wolf River Trails. And half like in the middle of this, where there's not like a lot of connectors or anything, we come across this dude, and oh. it kind of startled us because it was around a corner. He didn't say anything. He had zero lights on whatsoever, and had obviously been walking this entire time in complete darkness, which is like kind of sketchy in this area. And like there wasn't moonlight. It was very very sketchy. Everything about it was so sketchy, and the fact that he didn't say anything and had no light made it just even worse. And for some reason, it just didn't even occur to me how weird it was until we had like already passed him. And we're going at a good clip. And I probably waited till we were, you know, a couple hundred yards past the guy. And I just had to like stop and like ask my buddies, what the fuck did we just see? And I apologize because I don't remember his name. We made up a fictitious name for him. Um, and it was something... It was something like Larry. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And Pause, uh, we, we, refer to, we refer to Larry as the uh, Larry the Armadillo Rapist. Hold on, Kenny. Yes. If a listener can tell us what episode that was in, I will send them a sticker pack. Because you've talked about this in a show like the week it happened. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably did. Maybe maybe it's not when it happened, but I think we we recounted it because it wouldn't have been. It was definitely like when I first started riding way back when. It was before we were doing the show, without a doubt. But you talked about um, it when it was more current. How about that? It, I probably did, yes. But yes, and uh, <laughs> and I don't remember. We made up a name for him, but anyway, yeah, that was really sketchy. 
just random dude out there. No idea what he was doing to this day. Um, and shit, I had a second one. Another one, it's not really super, super long time ago at, uh, at Bike World in Cairoville. And I was probably like, oh man, I was probably 13, 14 years old. <laughs> and we used to go ride our bikes everywhere. And we would go, I lived in Cairoville. So we, me and all my buddies rode up to Ky- Bike World because they were really is, nice to us. It's an eastern suburb of Memphis, if, for those of you that yeah. don't know. So they would let us just kind of hang out in the store. And like we minded our business. We weren't like pieces of shit. Like we weren't touching on bikes and all that stuff. But we were all interested in the tech. And, you know, we all drooled over bikes that we could never afford. So it was, you know, back in the day, think like, I don't remember what they carry. I think they had Trek and Gary Fisher and stuff. They had like a Gary Fisher, um, like the Sugar. I didn't even think the Sugar was out yet. I think it was the equivalent of the Y bike, but it was cheaper because it was aluminum and stuff. It was called the Joshua, I think is what it was called. Anyway. It was mid to late nineties suspension tech, but I thought it was so cool, you know. I mean I'd ogle over, you know, one of these bikes with XTR on it or whatever. And they were really cool too, because sometimes they're like, Hey, if you just want to go ride some, just go ride it in the back, it's fine. So we'd like ride bikes around and just play around and all that kind of stuff and just hung out and talked with them. And they had like a skate park set up in the back and I think it belonged to somebody else. But it was big old wooden ramps and a bunch of concrete. And this stuff wasn't like set up all proper. And we're back there and we were hitting this, basically a quarter pipe. And we would hit it like halfway, halfway up and then jump to flat. Because we were little kids and that's what we did. And we're out there doing that. And this guy who had just picked up his repair, he decided that he was going to, he, he sat and watched us for a minute. And he was, you know, I don't know, mid-30s or something. And all of a sudden, he just winds up and goes full speed across the parking lot and sends it off this quarter pipe, but goes straight up the middle of it with no helmet on. And went straight up over the back of it, landed on his head from 10 feet up, like straight down. Like, And we as little kids, everybody instantly, I was like, yeah, we just saw a dude die. (laughs) Like that guy, that guy is dead. I mean, it was 100% like he could have died no problem did it knock him out it was it looked horrific oh he was completely and totally done and you know i think like we're 13 14 i have no freaking idea and i'm like oh great we just witnessed a guy kill himself that's fantastic (laughs) papa today i saw a man die yeah exactly i was like damn i I even had the thought of like well shit i'm growing up pretty quick that dude just died (laughs) i'm a man now (laughs) yeah (laughs) hey mom i saw my first guy die um so he and it was rowdy too because he went into like full body convulsions and i was like oh great i guess this is what happens when you die (laughs) he's like like full on it was insane and i still don't know to this day if he was actually okay or not but full body convulsions like eyes completely roll back in his head like all you saw were whites it was crazy, and we like you know ran who, back in like, the shop. It's probably someone that might still ride bikes. Like, is it someone? Who's... It might be. I don't know. No clue. Maybe it's a listener from Memphis. Uh, yeah, maybe he's like, yeah, that was me. Uh, I don't think we <laughs> have can't... any listeners in Memphis anymore, do we? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, we run in, and whoever was working at the shop, I don't remember his name. We're like, Jesus Christ, a guy uh, in the back of your shop just killed but himself. Really, what happened is this. Oh, Mister Mister, I just died out back. Oh, hey, uh. Yeah. Pretty much. 
And he is so funny. I will never forget. He like just nonchalantly opened up the back door. He's like, yeah, this happens every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> he wad himself up on one of those jumps. We're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's fucking dead. <laughs> he's shaking on the ground. He's got like the death rattles or whatever is going on. <laughs> Pork chop sandwiches. His soul's trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, he, uh, and eventually he like, you know, stopped convulsing, which is good. And the ambulance got there pretty quick and they threw him in the back and he was gone. And we were just like, what the fuck did that guy just do? <laughs> so and then you look at your buddy, you're like, I dare you jump off the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think what made it even better is I think at some point he did say something like, you know, why don't, why don't you guys go off the middle or something like that? And we're like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. It's a quarter pipe. It's not made. You're not made to jump off the middle. Like even we knew that. And yeah, he sent it and it, it went exactly how we thought it was going to go. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, who would do that? He was on like a hardtail something or other, no helmet to flat. I mean, there was no, I don't know where he was aiming for it. Just it, nothing about it made sense whatsoever. Um, I don't know if he, he must've been like on meth. That's, I didn't know what meth was when I was 13. I'm assuming that, that he was on meth. But yeah, that's my, that's my story. You, all right, Andrea just gave me the stress face. No, I don't know what... I mean, I definitely... The first thing that comes to mind is the first time I came to Colorado, and I didn't know that... that one time, Andrea, you hit an armadillo, and you oh, came yeah, out Oh, yeah, that shoe. was a that really was good one. Fun. I was riding with Kenny, and an armadillo like ran between my front tire and my rear tire, and somehow like I was trying to get my foot out to put a foot down because my back wheel went... Basically, like my bike turned 90 degrees to the direction of the trail, and I tried, as I tried to get a foot out, I ended up just ripping my foot out of my shoe because I don't. That armadillo did like Matrix style. It was slow mo. <laughs> he, he went like in between your front and rear tire. It didn't touch anything. It was awesome. Oh, my rear tire touched him all right. Oh, did <laughs> oh, he? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, like the rear tire rolled up on him and went sideways. And so I'm trying to get my foot out to put a foot down. I think, like, I don't know, like, I, I definitely hit the armadillo, and my bike definitely went sideways, and as I was trying to get a foot out, I pulled my foot out of my shoe, and that was the point when I hated armadillos. It was just a blur of darkness, because it was a night yeah. ride. It was darkness, a blur, armadillo, weird squeaky noises, either from the armadillo and or Andrea, <laughs> and then, like, I saw, and then I just saw a sock, and I was like, what the, what is happening? <laughs> I'm glad someone else was there to see that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the other one I was going to say was the first time I ever went to Colorado, I was going to do the Breck 100, and I went to pre-ride it in Breckenridge, and I had, at that point in time, I was the stereotypical tourist that gets hit by lightning and dies. I had no idea. Like, I've ridden in plenty of, like, thunderstorms and shit in Memphis, and in other bike races, too. Like, I've been in bike races and been in storms and just been like, this sucks, it's raining. This was the cliche two-in-the-afternoon deadly thunderstorm that happens above treeline. Like, it's basically, if you can imagine a cloud that looks like a porcupine, it was like that, but with lightning instead of spines. Like, it was just just lightning everywhere. And I'm going up, I'm like, I'm going to pre-ride this one loop of the Breck 100 course. 
And it's the one that you go up the access road of the ski hill, over the top and down the other side and around a ridge and back into town. And I uh, start going up and there's a giant black cloud and I can hear the thunder. And I'm like, oh, I've got my jacket. I'm cool. And I basically rode through like a hail and thunder and lightning thunderstorm. Like one that now that I know better, I would have turned around and gone back and wouldn't have even started. Much less just ridden straight through it. Like if I'd been halfway up and it had come, you know, like popped up over the mountain, which they do sometimes. Like sometimes it's perfectly clear and then five minutes later it's storming. I, you know, I would have like found shelter somewhere. But I basically just rode straight through it. And later on, I was talking to some people at the hostel where I was staying. And, and oh, did you see that storm that came over? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I'm really glad we got off the trail before that came through. I was like, oh, yeah, I rode up through that. And they're like, on, like, you got caught in it? I was like, no, I just rode through it. Like, I saw it, and I just kept riding. And they're like, you almost died. Like, that's the stupidest thing anyone could possibly do. Like... And really, I did. Like, I could have... That's probably the closest to a near-death experience I've ever had mountain biking and not even known about it. There you go. Yep. That Do was we it. Knock I was out, dumb. We want to knock out this next question and go on with our lives? One more. Let's do it. Because it's the last one. So, Alec... With Final a, countdown. With a C, has a question. Uh, he has a question about tape and bearings. Probably already common knowledge, but maybe best to avoid REI Bike Shop. So that's just the the public service announcement. I just got off the phone with a bike tech. Avoid what at a bike shop? REI. Oh, okay. Just got off the phone with a bike tech at REI and a place. I was calling to see if they had tubeless rim tape in stock for conversion my brother's doing. Told the bike tech I have a 19 19 internal rim. Is it a fucking road bike? (laughs) And need tape for a tubeless conversion. And she said, oh, honestly, we just use Gorilla Tape and have a bunch of widths, which works well. Sometimes we need to cut it, but it's not too bad. What are your thoughts? LOL. And I emailed back, but I'll say this right off the top. Um, let's cover this one first. Envy's rim tape is gorilla tape. Envy printed Gorilla Tape. I don't know what more to say than that. Um, so, I mean, I'll jump in real quick. Like, I mean, it's it's on one hand, it's fun to make fun of a company you think might have subpar techs. But in this case, I'd say that's reasonable. Um, it's not the best for every application, but a lot, most carbon rims, good luck. Try to stick some stands on there. Let me know how that goes. Get it hot? Because it, it, it ain't going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, Envy has their own little bit thinner version of stands now that maybe has a different adhesive on it or is stretchier or something, but it does stick okay to carbon i feel like dt swiss uh, what's going to be on really a lot well. of their new stuff yeah i think dt's got their version of it everyone's got a little different version of it but like proper yellow stands that ain't sticking to most carbon like it's just not happening um, and if you do get it to it, stick you this isn't an exaggeration wash the rim with soap and water let it dry clean the rim with alcohol let it dry clean the rim with acetone sacrifice a goat clean the rim with alcohol again and then heat the tape up really hot, and the tape sticks, and then put tape on. Like, that's no exaggeration, yeah. except for the goat. I've never sacrificed a goat over <laughs> And you might be able to, because, you know, we're going to have an angry listener going like, I put, I put Stan's yellow tape on my carbon rim, and it's great. You guys are morons. 
just trust me. I've tried to tape all kinds of shit with it. And there's certain rims and there's even certain aluminum that whatever texture or anodizing has made it to the middle or whatever that stands tape just does not want to stick to. Also, sometimes if the rim has like a really, really deep channel in the middle, but it's tubeless rated, which there are some of those out there, the stand stuff just doesn't work that awesome. And in, in those cases, sometimes Gorilla Tape just kind of conforms better. So no, it's not crazy to use Gorilla Tape at all. There's a lot of people that do. Um, so yeah, that's not that's not the craziest response I've ever heard. I know it seems silly, but... It's really... Yeah. And if you have an REI-type shop where maybe, you know, your mechanics don't aren't comfortable with lighting a torch and heating up a rim until you can barely touch it. Um, that, and it's also, it's, it's cheap. Um, it sticks to everything. You know, there are, I've definitely, I've seen a carbon rim where the Gorilla Tape peeled a tiny bit of like the top layer of the inside of the rim off. Made it lighter. <laughs> um, I've heard people curse about, it leaves residue on the rim. I mean, it's not a perfect solution, but it does hold air. And just like any other tubeless tape, um, with a tire change or two, you're going to have to replace it because it's going to start to crinkle up. And once the sealant gets in the rim, then it's a big pain in the ass to get it out. Um, and it can corrode your nipples. So no one wants corroded nipples. But No, you don't, you don't want that. Tubeless is hard. Like it... I don't think people understand just how many variations there are. And there is a better way to do it on one brand versus another one profile versus another. There's so many different valves that seat differently in different rims. I wish it was super straightforward, but it's just not. And then you also have, you know, cause I run into it bare minimum twice a week. And I have some belligerent customer that comes in and they've got some old ass 1990s DT hoop that some dumbass set up tubeless and they want me to continue setting it up tubeless. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry, I'm not just going to let go do three rounds of Gorilla Tape on this thing to make it work. This is not safe, it's not tubeless. I'm sorry. And, like, they just don't understand. And it's a subtle thing, but, you know, you've got, does it have a bead socket or not? You know, what kind of tape is going to fit in there? There's a lot that goes into it. I wish, hopefully, we're going to get to a spot where it's a little bit more standard. It's getting there. It's going to be a little bit more solid because even there's a lot of rims that, putting the yellow tape on even though they're designed for yellow tape is still a pain in the ass like there's a lot of i wish it were easier i really do um maybe the answer is having a different like a different type of uh like where it's drilled for the nipple like the access port the whole things we're trying to cover up anyway maybe come up with like a you know a system that has kind of specialized tried it, but it didn't work that well. Some kind of plugs plug that goes in each one of those. That would be really cool. And then you just don't have to run tape anymore. And that way too, when you got to replace, I don't have to untape a whole damn rim every time I replace a spoke. Cause I'm always bummed out when I got to tell a customer, Hey, a spoke replacement's 25 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever it is. And, but Hey, sorry, I've got to retape your rim. When with parts and labor, that's an extra 15. So now one spoke in your rim now costs $35 and I have no choice. I have to, if you want to set up tubeless again, I have to redo it from scratch and it's labor intensive and I got to clean the damn rim, retape it. It's just a pain in the butt. Yeah. I mean, I think Gorilla so, Tape's not a perfect solution, but I don't think we have a perfect solution for tubeless stuff. I mean, no, we don't. I, That's really what I'm getting I at. I personally like the DT tape best, um, but it is hard to poke a hole through. 
Like you can, it's a little bit tougher. And normally at the shop, what we do is we heat a punch up and melt a hole through the stands tape. And this, like you have to heat the punch up way, way more. And if you force it, it will split at the valve hole. Um, which again, like it's, just, it's not perfect, but it's, it's, I feel like it sticks a little bit better than stands does. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gorilla Tape, if you're in a shop that's just a high volume, like, I don't want to say low skill, but like, you don't have someone there that can like build a wheel blindfolded and you don't have someone there that can like, I don't know, has serviced 500 shocks in their life. And, you know, maybe that type of a shop where, you know, it's a little bit more mundane stuff. Like that's a really easy solution. Like that's the easiest solution to having the right width tape and having a tape that will stick to most surfaces. Oh, by the way, uh, this is a fun one. If you have a, if you have a crest and you put Gorilla Tape on it and you try to put a double down tubeless casing tire on there, it will blow off the rim. <laughs> of course it will. So just heads up. <laughs> Oh boy. Maxis did warranty that double down tire for me eventually. It took a long time, but they eventually warrantied my tire. Maxis warranty and Schwalbe warranty are two of the most difficult ones ever. Yeah. Again, Trek, Bontrager, or uh, Bontrager slash Trek and Specialized, you just tell them there's a problem. They fix it for you, but they're the bad guys. They fix it for you. All right. So can we go to the other part of his question? Yeah. Oh, shit. Number two. I All bought right. a 2018 Salsa Bear Grease NX1 from REI and had the bearings on the non-drive side of the front wheel explode at 600 miles. The bike mechanic replaced only the non-drive side bearing and returned, non-drive side bearing and returned the bike to me. I rode it 20 miles and the drive side bearing exploded. I brought it back to the shop and requested both bearings be replaced because I was concerned that bearings going out on one side while riding would impact the integrity on the other side. Thought maybe this is why one failed so quickly after the other. My concern is the torque of the through axle on the bearings that are still intact would cause them to become weak or damaged. Was this a reasonable to request both to be replaced? Would you replace both sets of bearings when you have a front wheel bearing failure? So I'll go quickly. If I have a an axle out and one bearing feels perfect and the other feels awful, I replace the awful bearing. If the axle is out and one feels bad and the other feels weird, I... I bill the customer for the additional bearing and I replace both because it's $30 to take everything apart, $6 for a bearing. Why not spend six more dollars for the customer and give them that wheel back fully redone on my personal bike? I do them as needed. And that's just, yeah, my personal bike. I wait until I can like feel the grumble of the bearings in my handlebars. Uh, yeah, I'd say I pretty much do exactly what Matt does, which is, I mean, unless it's bad, and I see, I've seen everything blow up. I've seen everything. I've seen DT240s with a single bearing completely collapse, like races and guts everywhere. It's rare, but it happens. Why it fucking happens, I have no idea. I've seen definitely many shittier wheels with blown up bearings. You know, I've seen i9 had a little issue there with that outboard XD driver um, blowing up and grenading a whole bunch of stuff. Um, bearings fail and sometimes they fail in weird ways like it's i wouldn't overthink it too much i only what i'll always tell the customer is hey here's the deal it's ten dollars per bearing labor for me to pull it and press it like that's that so however many are in there it could be two could be four could be one i'm like hey it's a rear wheel there's four bearings in there 
do you want me to just go ahead and replace all of them and be preventative and all that? I'm happy doing it, but you don't have to do that. And I'd say it's, it's 50, 50. Some people say like, yeah, if you're in there, just do them all. And I'm totally cool paying, I don't know, call it 60 bucks in parts and labor to get all new bearings in my new DT240. And other people who, you know, don't want to do that much. They ask me what I would do. And I say, honestly, I would just replace the bearings that are bad. And it might be one, it might be two, it might be four. And most of the time it's one or two. That's typically what we do. And they end up with a bill that's half. And I usually don't ever see them back. So I'd say, no, you don't have to replace two at a time. Yeah, I, I'd go with that also. Like I, I'm with Matt. If, if one of them feels just totally perfect, there's no reason to pull it out. And Unless the customer's like, just replace everything proactively. Like It's like, great, I'll do it. And a lot of that, too, is like our customer. Like we have a customer, Fran, who hammers a bear grease. And oh, yeah. Like if that guy had something kind of questionable, I would just do it because I know that that guy is going to put literally a thousand miles on the bike before I see it again. Yeah. So like if, if he told me my hub feels weird and I didn't catch the rear brake pads were bad, but I saw they were bad. I know the rapport with that customer is make the bike work perfect because he doesn't want to be without of his bike. So, you know, what could have happened the the shop thought you didn't want to spend a lot of money on a front hub overhaul so they thought they were doing you a favor by not replacing that bearing you know who knows so cool shut it down all right hour and 24 minutes of show no it's longer than that but yeah um oh right i have to push the stop recording button uh thanks for listening and until next time don't keep it classy that's for sure Thank you for listening, and just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show, and make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you, and have a good day.